I'm Dean Olsher, and this is The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast where we ask the really big questions, like, why is it so hard to talk about death? This is not a woohoo subject. For the Victorians, sex was the great taboo, and death was far more out in the open. These days we turn caring for the dead over to funeral directors, and we rarely see a corpse. The idea of actually interacting with a corpse is its everyone's worst nightmare. I've never been in, in a van with a body before. Yeah, most yeah. people haven't. The death taboo means we do not ask big questions that we would like to know the answers to. For example, do I have to be embalmed? Can I have my ashes sent into orbit? Can I be buried with an object that means a lot to me? You can put as much crap as you want in your casket. I've buried people with food and wedding cake toppers and books and letters and the ashes of their dead dog. People who like to talk about burial rituals are not typically the most popular guests at parties. Death is not welcome at the dinner table. But death is starting to have a much busier social life. Around the country, people are holding death salons and death cafes. There's a project called Let's Have Dinner and Talk About Death. One group is called the Order of the Good Death. It's made up of writers, artists, historians, morticians, a medical librarian, and a death midwife. They live around the United States and in the UK, Australia, and Canada. Their goal is to bring death back into the popular culture, to help people embrace mortality and decay as a natural part of life. Producer Catherine Winter met up with some members of the Order of the Good Death, and she found that talking about death is not so tough. But she is going to need some more practice before she can be comfortable around dead people. Members of the Order of the Good Death are maybe not quite what you'd expect. These are not people who can reasonably expect to die anytime soon. They tend to be healthy and young. They have websites and Twitter feeds. Writer Bess Lovejoy tweets about history and death. Well, I was a teenage goth. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that cultural interest played into my later interest in mortality. But I, I, I was interested in how people confront their own mortality from a really young age. There are maybe traces of that goth look in Bess Lovejoy's long dark hair and bangs, but she doesn't stand out working one afternoon at the Seattle Public Library. The library is where she wrote her book, Rest in Pieces, The Curious Fates of Famous Corpses. The book describes how a skull belonging to the composer Haydn was stolen by a friend. Charlie Chaplin's body was dug up and held for ransom. And then there's the story about Rasputin, like Napoleon, he is said to have had his penis severed after death, and this became a relic. And Maria's daughter was told about this in the 70s and demanded it back. And the object that was given to her ended up in her storage unit somewhere in California and was later tested and proven to be a sea cucumber. Bess Lovejoy says people used to be more comfortable around bodies and body parts. In modern America, we just don't see death that much. People don't usually die at home anymore. It's, you know, behind this blue curtain inside the hospitals. And some people think it's really depressing to think about death. But I think that if you can stomach it, if you can let, you know, allow yourself in small ways to think about the fact that you are finite, you will have a richer experience of life. I'm sure this is true. I guess I don't think so much about being finite. I figure when I'm gone, I won't know it and I won't care. But I do think about other people's deaths, probably to a morbid extent. I hate the idea of handing over my loved one to a funeral home if he dies before I do. I've wondered about the home death care idea. People used to care for their dead. People are starting to realize that they can care for their dead. That's Jeff Jorgensen. He's a member of the Order of the Good Death. 
He's a mortician, but he doesn't look the part. He's in his thirties and boyish, with dimples when he smiles. Jeff owns a business called Elemental Cremation and Burial in Seattle. He encourages his clients to take over funeral duties as much as they want to. I mean, I get calls all the time. Well, you need to embalm, right? No, you don't need to embalm anyone. I don't know of a, a jurisdiction in this country where it is legally required, under most circumstances. Jeff gets a lot of questions about what's legal. To answer those questions, he's working on a series of YouTube videos with another mortician. Her name's Caitlin Doty, and she's the founder of the Order of the Good Death. They're calling their video series, Is It Legal? In the first one, Caitlin talks about whether you can hold a Viking funeral, where you put the body on a boat and set it on fire. It would be a grand exit. But is it legal? No, it's totally not legal because you're not allowed to set a corpse on fire in a municipal waterway and have some random scorched foot wash up on a kid playing with his toy sailboat a week later. You can't cremate your loved one on a backyard pyre either. And Jeff says he has to say no when people ask if they can bury someone at home. If you bury someone in your yard, it's going to be tough to sell the house. I'm just saying. If you did that and didn't tell anyone... What happens 15 years from now when a body's found in the yard and you now have a criminal investigation because no one knew why they were there? I mean, there's a lot of, like, practical reasons why having a corpse in your yard probably isn't a good idea. Still, Jeff says there are a lot of things you can do, things you don't have to hand over to funeral directors. He recently worked with a family that had a home service for their mother. Just through the entryway, off of the entryway, was her uh, dining room table. And the dining room table was actually the perfect spot for her, so we just put her there. I wish that happened every week, because that's a family that's embracing it, right? They're creating a ritual for themselves. That is magical. Jeff says that family even drove the body to the cemetery themselves. But most people don't want to do that. It's hard to move a body. Jeff's got a gurney and a van for that. On a recent morning, he took me along as he went to pick up a body. She is 90... Seven, I think. And she just passed away this morning. And I just spoke with the family before I came over here. And they are going to try and get some rest. But I am going to go pick her up and take her to my care center. Care center means the place he'll keep the body refrigerated and eventually cremated. We head downtown and he pulls around behind a hospital. We are going to the loading dock where hospitals release the bodies. The live people go in the front doors of hospitals, but the dead come out the back. Jeff unloads his gurney and wheels it through narrow hallways that look kind of dim and industrial, hallways visitors never see. A hospital worker meets him at the morgue. That's it. Haven't seen you in minutes. What's going on? Thanks for waiting. Yeah. It's a small room with three slide-in coolers for bodies. A sign tells employees not to put their lunches in there. The woman's body is zippered into a rubbery bag. Jeff tries to move her, but she's too heavy, so he uses a mechanical lift to get her onto his gurney. He and a hospital worker unzip the bag to make sure he's taking the right person. Her face is waxen, and her hands are swollen. Jeff tells me later that people don't tend to look their best when they die. I feel a rising nausea. I look away while they check her hospital bracelet, and I don't look back until they zip her back up. There's a lot of paperwork, and then Jeff pulls a quilt over the dead woman and wheels her out. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You as well. 
When we get back to the loading dock, Jeff slides the gurney into the van. It's heavy, tough work, but he's quick and smooth. There we go. You can tell he's done it many times. I didn't realize it was such physical work. Yeah, can be. Jeff fires up the van and we roll through downtown. He points out different landmarks than the typical Seattle tour guide. The county medical examiner's office, a trauma center. Vital statistics is also in this this building as well. So all of our city's death kind of hangs out on the corner of 9th and James. We get on the freeway and head for the crematorium. Driving around feels really different with our silent companion right behind our seats. And not in a good way. I've never been in a, in a van with a body before. Yeah? What Most that? people haven't. No. <laughs> um, I find it creepy. For quite some time, I thought it was creepy. But it moved from creepy fairly early on to an honor. Not everyone gets to do this. I'm really lucky. So I am almost 50 years old, and I think I've seen one other dead person in my whole life. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's something that I, I, I tend to forget. Like, people don't see dead people. But I just wonder what that says about our culture. I think our connection to death right now is is at a low point. I think we need to become more reacquainted with that end of, of a life's journey. We're very acquainted with the other end. You know, everyone's got a video camera in the, the birthing room type of a thing. And I think we've, been, we've reacquainted and embraced birth. Um, but I think that ultimately, you know, in our generation... We're embracing the notion that, yeah, we need to have more dialogue about this and we need to be more involved. Jeff Jorgensen told me later, at his office, that he thinks it's unkind not to think about your death, not to leave instructions for the people you leave behind. Think about your family, for God's sake. I mean, the people who say, I don't care, I'm not going to be here, which you hear frequently. The reality is, you're right, you won't be here. But don't be so selfish that you put that on other people to decide. Make it a dialogue. It's tough to be left behind. He knows from experience. His mother died last year. He cared for her for the last six months of her life. And he took care of her after she died. I told her I'd be there through the cremation. So when it came time... I went down there, and I had someone else. She donated her corneas, so I know what that looks like, and I didn't want to see it, so I had someone fix her up. And uh, said goodbye to her and put her into the, the retort and cremated her. Jeff says it was really, really hard, but it was also cathartic. I think that in our busy lives and our lack of acceptance of death, We've forgotten that caring for our dead is healing. I don't profess that any of this is going to be fun for anyone. Death isn't fun. And at the same time, knowing that you've cared for your loved one is pretty priceless. The Order of the Good Death would like to inspire more people to care for their own dead. But spending a morning with Jeff actually had the opposite effect on me. I had been thinking that if my sweetheart dies before I do, 
I'd want to be the one to clean him up and dress him. Now I'm not so sure. I hadn't really thought about how heavy a body is. And I didn't realize how squeamish I am. After we took the dead woman to the crematorium, I was kind of shaky for the rest of the day. But I hope Jeff will be glad to know that he made his point about making your wishes known. Just so no one has to guess what to do with me when I'm gone, here it is, for the record. Please donate any usable parts, and then cremate me. Nothing fancy, whatever's cheapest. And please toss my ashes into Lake Superior. I checked. It's legal. That's Catherine Winter, and this is The Really Big Questions. Next time we'll be asking, why does music move us? You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. That's a good place to ask us your really big questions. And you can hear all our podcasts and our hour-long radio specials on our website, which is trbq.org. The podcast is produced by Catherine Winter and Chris Julin. The Really Big Questions is a project of Sound Vision Productions with funding from the National Science Foundation. I'm Dean Olsher. <laughs>